Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at myemmanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you enjoy this message. Awesome job, worship team. Thank you for joining us here today. Uh, You can take a seat. You can take a seat this morning, or this afternoon, rather. I don't know, time is moving weird. I feel like it still should be morning, but it's the middle of the day already. We are glad that you are with us. We are glad that if you are watching us online here today, if you are watching for the first time here for the first time, I'm Pastor Gabe. Nice to meet you. Uh, it's a, a privilege to be able to have you here in the space. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been here. We've celebrated a couple services with our Spanish congregation for Mother's Day, uh, celebrating a, a birthday for Pastor Mary a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't told her yet, it's still not too late to give her a gift and tell her hello, our senior pastor. But we are, are glad to have you here. We're glad to be here again today. Uh, this week, we are beginning a brand new series. You've already seen the graphics uh, throughout the service. And uh, I know they're, they're working on something because it's a little echoey over here. Not sure why. Uh, but we are beginning a brand new series this week called Flipped flip the script flip the script we are starting this series and uh right now typically when we do sermon series i have uh about uh, a time frame that we do it in uh we do it throughout the month of like entirety of a month four weeks or five weeks right now i'm not sure where we're going with this yet well i know where we're with it. But I know how long we're going to be in this because there is some stuff here that I want to share with you and I feel like I want to take as much time as I can to be able to share as much as I can with you through this series. This series is important and important for us um, because we find ourselves right now in a world that's full of information. Information is everywhere. It's at our fingertips even. All you got to do is pull up Google or your browser on your phone and you will find anything that you could possibly be looking for. You will find anything you could be possibly be looking for. All you got to do is uh, type into Google if you uh, uh, what you're searching for. I don't know if anybody else uses anything other than Google. Anybody use Bing? Bing or any of those other search engines? I don't even think people know that those still exist. You just type into the search bar and you assume it's Google. That's just how it is. And pretty much in a moment, you will find thousands, if not millions of results of what you're looking for. But let's be honest, most of us never go past the first page. I don't know about you, but I hardly ever go past the first page on Google. If I can't find it on the first page, it doesn't exist. That's just how it is. But we have anything we can possibly want. Possibly look for anything we want to shop for, anything we want to look for. Whether we're not looking for it on Google, we're looking for it on YouTube. We're looking for it on Facebook. Uh, We're looking for information, and there's information just everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, that is part of the problem. I was reading a book. uh, I I just finished reading a book called The Three Mile an Hour God. 
by a Japanese, Amer uh, Japanese theologist by the name of Kosuke Koyama. Uh, and he writes that God moves at a slow pace. And one of the things in the, one of the final chapters, he talks about the difference between abundance and saturation. Abundance is, there's a thin line, but abundance is having enough. And having enough so to the point where there is extra for others or to share or to have enough for tomorrow. As where saturation is where there is so much that you don't even know what to do with it. There's so much you don't even know what to do with it. I mean, you ever go to an ice cream shop and it's just like there's 30 flavors and I'm like, I don't even know what I want. Like, I don't even know. I remember reading in a book by John Maxwell once he said there was an ice cream shop that sold only two flavors, chocolate and vanilla. And he's like, why? Why in like this day and age where there are so many different flavors do you just sell two? And they go, sir, if you knew how long it took people to choose between chocolate and vanilla, you wouldn't want anything else. It's just two. And yet it's enough. But there's so much that we're saturated with this information. And so we don't know what to do with it. We see it everywhere, and we, we can try and do our own research. Anybody ever tell you, I, well, I want to do my own research? Or have you ever told anybody, I want to do my own research? Research. We, we want to research. We want to learn. We want to uh, find information out. Just, just FYI, uh, research is not that article you clicked on shared by your cousin's friends, uncle, sister's best friend's barber's aunt on Facebook. That's not research. There's more to it than that. Actual research is when experts in a field take time and energy to run tests and gather people together and find samples. That's research. We're looking for sources. We're looking for information. There's a difference. But there's so much information that we have trouble sometimes then finding out what is actually true and what is untrue. What is a half-truth, a false truth? Is it fact or fiction? Is it real or unreal? What, what is it? It, it? it can be hard. And as a result, we can find ourselves end up, we can find ourselves believing in things like conspiracy theories, half-truth, and straight-up lies that people will tell us to our faces. And we don't even know. We don't even know. For instance, let, let me give you some examples here. Uh, here are some common, commonly repeated facts that we hear. Perhaps you've heard them throughout your lifetime. Perhaps you've, uh, you might believe these still. It's okay. It happens. It's okay to learn with new information. Uh, some, maybe this is something someone told you a long time. Maybe you've already been through the process and you say, oh, yeah, you know what? I learned that that's not true. I learned that's not so true. First, coffee stunts your growth. Anybody ever heard that? Coffee stunts your growth. I, I grew up hearing that. And as a result, I thought I was going to have problems being taller because I started drinking coffee when I was like 12 years old. And I was like, man, you know, they told me uh, I'm going to be short because of this. And you know what? It's okay because I love coffee. I've learned to love coffee even at 12 years old. Even at younger, I wanted to drink it. My parents would drink coffee. And I would order, like, hot chocolate, and I would do the things, the same things. I'm like, I really want coffee, but they won't let me have that yet. I was about 12 that I drank my first cup of coffee. Just using me as an example, I'm about six foot tall, so it did not stunt my growth. 
And it doesn't. Scientists, uh, studies have shown that coffee does not have uh, any bearing on how tall you get. In fact, it's based on another rumor that was first started that said coffee gives you osteoporosis. And if you don't know what osteoporosis is, that is a condition where your bones become frail. And then the rumor was in a rumor that said osteoporosis makes you shorter, which it doesn't really do that. That's not like what it does. But people thought osteoporosis made you shorter. And by definition, if coffee causes that, then the coffee makes you short, so coffee stunts your growth. And so it was like rumor within rumor within rumor. There was no fact in it at all. Coffee stunts your growth. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It's just not true. Another one I heard, cracking your knuckles. Anybody do that? Cracking your knuckles. I always heard growing up, don't do that. It causes arthritis. It causes arthritis. And I I remember, I think it was, I I can't even remember how long ago it was, but a friend of mine, she was in nursing school, and I remember someone brought that up, and she she just suddenly was like, ugh, no, it doesn't. I don't know where people got that information from. But what the cracking sound we hear in our knuckles is little bubbles that are in the fluid of our joints, this, this particular kind of fluid that our body makes between our joints. And when we crack our knuckles, that's those bubbles popping. Now, see, this one is only half true. There is some truth in it does do something. Doctors and scientists still recommend that you stop doing it, that I stop doing it. I do it all of the time, every day, uh, any time of the day I feel like, or if I'm just needing something to fidget, I'll crack my knuckles. But the truth is, is that it can cause swelling in your fingers and joints and over time reduce your grip strength and how, t- how hard you can hold on to something, the strength of your grip. How, how, how much pressure you're putting into that. So there is some truth to it, but there is, there is also lie in it. It doesn't cause a particular kind of medical condition. Here's another one. You can't go swimming after you eat. I'm sorry, moms, if you told this to your parents at any time. You can't go swimming after you eat. It is, it, it's not true. You can. There is no danger in it unless you have overeaten and then you might throw up in the pool. Please don't do that. Uh, that's a bad idea. But you can go swimming after you eat. It comes from this uh, old rumor that used to say you can't go swimming because you need all of your blood to be flowing properly in your body to aid in digestion. There was an idea that swimming somehow caused the blood to flow uh, not where it needed to go. It didn't go to your digestive system. Instead, it was used for your arms and your legs or whatever. And so people thought that that's why they did it. Of course, then they, there was all kinds of other things tacked onto it. You can't go swimming after you eat because it's going to cause cramps. It's going to cause this. It's going to cause that. And so, but it was based in the rumor that said, that, that talked about blood flow and digestion. And so there is something there. The blood does need to flow in your body and you shouldn't go swimming if you're over, you're, you're over eight or anything like that. But there is no truth to that particular room it's not dangerous it won't cause you cramps it won't cause you anything else but maybe an upset stomach and so that that's what it is these these truths they can have these facts or these things that we believe can have bearing on our lives because if we never learn we can pass this information down to our children or other children or other people that are in our lives and guess what people then start believing these false truths half truths half things but it's not just in facts in our lives it's also comes in the form of our spiritual lives as well. Spiritual lives. There are things 
that perhaps that you have been taught are in the Bible and are not. And are not. Here's a few of them. Have you ever heard this phrase? God helps those who help themselves. Sounds kind of spiritual. I mean, if only that it has God in it. But people believe it. I've met several people that, that have quoted me to that. It's like, yeah, that's in the Bible, except it's not. The original quote was somewhere along the lines of something that Benjamin Franklin said, but no one's really sure. They're like, we think he said it. I don't know what he was talking about, but he said something along the lines of God helps those who help themselves. And somewhere along the history, along in history, we started to believe, people started to believe that that was in the Bible, and it wasn't. It's just not there. There's a phrase that a lot of people say in Christian circles, or spiritualistic circles, cleanliness is next to godliness. Being clean, being organized is a good thing. God wants us to be clean. And for sure, there are a lot of passages in the Old Testament that talk about the need to be clean, the need to be ceremonial clean, spiritual clean, all this kind of stuff. But it's not there in the Bible. That idea is not there in the Bible. It comes from a passage... uh, uh, it was quoted, it comes from a passage that was written by John Wesley, who was an 18th century evangelist who founded the Methodist Church. So that's where it comes from. It wasn't something in the Bible. It was something that he said. Here's one more. God works in mysterious ways. How many of us have used this one? God works in mysterious ways. It's not in the Bible. There is no verse you can find that says that. Rather, it is a paraphrase of a 19th century hymn by English poet William Cowper, Cowper? I don't know. His, the hymn says, God moves in a mysterious way is his wonders to perform. So it's not from a Bible verse. It's from a song that someone said not, uh, in the early 19th century. And it's not even the actual quote from the song. It's just a paraphrase of it. So that happened. We, we, we start to believe things when we, when we cannot blur the line between fact and fiction or fact and untruth or half-truth. We start to do the same thing with our spiritual lives and we start believing things about God. We start believing things about the Bible. We start believing things about ourselves or who God is that are just not true and are not there. And this affects every area of our lives because when we begin to misunderstand God and how he relates to us, we begin to misunderstand ourselves as well. And then we begin to tell ourselves lies that ultimately we live out as true. Perhaps you've said something like this to yourself. No one cares. No one loves me. No one really cares. No, no, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. We've felt that maybe in our, t- in our times in our life. Because we can sometimes be in places in our lives where we feel surrounded by people, but it still doesn't feel that anybody is actually paying attention to us. No one cares. We tell ourselves, I don't need anyone. In fact, that comes off of the other ones. Well, if no one cares, then I don't need anyone. I, the, the only person I need to rely on is myself. How many of us have thought that? I, I don't need anybody. I, I just need me. I just need to trust myself. You can't trust no one these days. You can only trust yourself. And then there's that popular meme where it's like, you can't even trust yourself. And it's the guy holding a gun behind the other guy that's the same guy. And it's just like, you can't even trust yourself these days. But that, 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 that's what it is. We feel that, no, we cannot trust ourselves. We, can't, we, we don't need anybody. We are the ones that we need the most, and we don't need anyone. We don't need God. We don't need people. We just need ourselves. 
Or maybe we've felt this or heard this or said this in our lives. God isn't listening. God doesn't care. I'm going through something and I've been struggling through all of this, but God just doesn't seem to be listening. So that must mean God doesn't love me or God doesn't care. Or maybe, maybe it goes further than that and we start to believe in the lie that says, it's just that I am not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I don't go to church enough. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't do these things. I am not enough. I'm just a terrible person. And we repeat these things over and over and over again. And so then we start to believe them as truth. The point of all of this is that there are things that we tend to believe and think are true in our lives about ourselves, about God, about the world around us that just are not. And the point of this series as we get into it today is that God is here, Jesus is here, and wants to change that. The idea of flip the script is something that means um, to reverse the usual or existing position in a situation or do something unexpected or revolutionary. Jesus wants to step into our lives, step into our world, and really turn things around. Turn around the things that we believed about Him, about God, about ourselves, about the world around us. Because otherwise, we will end up in a very stuck, very small, very sad space in our lives. And so we have to allow Jesus to step into our lives and flip the script. So now we're going to go to the Bible. I, I didn't forget about the Bible. The Bible is important. You know, we, we do read it. It's important to what we do here. And it's going to be a little bit of a long passage. And so I just want, to, want you to pay attention to what Jesus is doing. This passage is found in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. It is Jesus' most famous sermon, probably his longest sermon. It spans from Matthew chapter 5 to like Matthew chapter 7. And some people probably believe rightfully so that this is just only like an abbreviated list of what Jesus said that day. Because at the end of it, Jesus feeds the people and it says that they've been there all afternoon, all morning, all evening, and nobody has eaten. And they're tired and they're hungry. So Jesus was, you know, I give you guys about like 30, 45 minutes every time I'm up here. Jesus was there for like hours. So, you know, be grateful that I don't do that. (laughs) But we are here to, in Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 21. And Jesus is talking and teaching to people. And he's talking about scripture. He's talking about uh, the, Bi- the Bible as they would know it in those days. Like in those days and even in the New Testament, when people talk about the scripture, they're really talking about the Old Testament. New Testament didn't exist yet. That wasn't something that was they had yet. That wasn't written out yet. It was only beginning to be formed in the early first century. But they, when they talk about the Bible, when they talk about Scripture in the New Testament, they're talking about the Old Testament. So Jesus is talking about that. And he says how important the law of God is, how important the Scripture is to our lives. And then he starts this teaching from the Scripture. And it starts in verse 21, and it is going, I'm going to read like 20 verses here, so hope, bear with me. It's important what Jesus has to say, though. So it says, verse 21, you have heard it said. I want you to remember that right there. You have heard it said. You've heard it said. 
This is how Jesus is going to start every one of these sections that we are reading through today. He says, you have heard it said that, that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Sounds good. Sounds great. No killing. You shouldn't kill people. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good idea. Verse 22. But I tell you, he's like, wait, there's something right there, again, important. But I tell you. You have heard, but I tell you. This is the pattern Jesus is using here. He says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister is subject to judgment again. Anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. There's, of course, more to that. It's not just calling fool. I remember growing up and we had some cousins. They would call everybody fool. Hey, fool. That's how they talked. But that, that's not what it means. That's not what it means. Let's just keep going. It says, therefore, if you are offering anyone a gift at the altar there and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Do uh, self settle the matter quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you might be thrown in prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out of there until you paid your last penny. So Jesus here is talking about murder. He's talking about anger. He's talking about judgment. And then he goes again in verse 27, and he says, You have heard that it was said. You heard, you heard me. You have heard that it was said again. He says, You shall not commit adultery. Good idea. He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Jesus was very dramatic. It is better for you to lose one part of your body from the whole part of you to be thrown into hell. And if you're, and if, I apologize here, and if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to go into hell. Verse 31, here he goes again. It has been said. A little bit different, but he's saying the same thing. It has been said. Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her a victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now he's talking about oaths. Verse 33, again, you have heard it said. He keeps going in this pattern. People long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill the Lord, the, to the Lord the vows you have made. But I would tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven or for it is by God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond is comes from the evil one. Comes from the evil one. Okay, so I I am going to stop right there at the moment because Jesus keeps going... The wrong thing there. (laughs) Um, Jesus keeps going on this idea. You have heard it said, but I tell you. You have heard it said, but I tell you. And he goes all the way down to verse 48, and he keeps talking about it. You've heard it said, the eye for an eye and the tooth for a tooth. He says, but I'm telling you, turn the other cheek. And he says, you've heard it said to love your, en- love your neighbor 
or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But he says, no, I say love everyone and pray for your enemy. So he keeps going on this idea. You've heard it said, but I tell you. You've heard it said, and I tell you. You see, this is important, the pattern that Jesus is using. And we're going to go talk about that in a second, why he does that in particular. But I want to start with that phrase, you've heard it said. And that, that comes from what we were talking about at the beginning of my message, where we hear things, and oftentimes we may believe that they are true. Why do we do that? Where does that come from? What is it that compels us to believe things, even if they're not true? Where are we getting that from? Why, why do we do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. First, there's something called a truth bias. A truth bias, where we tend to believe information is true, even if there are signals that it is false. Even if there are signals or reasons that we, we might have reasons or suspicions to believe that what is being said is not the truth. For instance, anytime you check the weather in Houston, is it going to rain today? No, it rains. Is it going to rain? Is it going to be sunny today? Yes, no, it, it's back and forth. It's always wrong. But we have that truth bias. We tend to believe things. But why do we do that? Why do we do that? One, we believe we have a truth bias. One, because something or someone has earned our trust. Maybe. We have, we, we have people in our lives that we trust, our friends, our family, things like that. And so we trust them, and they have earned our trust. So if they have something to say to us, then we're going to listen to them. You know, and, and some of us, we know, you know, they're, they're, our friends may not know everything. They're not all the be-all, end-all, smartest person in the world or anything like that. You know, they may think they are. We might think that we are. But we have a trust in them that compels us to believe. So it's this trust that we build. And that can work with other things, too. Why do we believe things on social media like TikTok or Twitter or Facebook, for instance? Because we found out one thing there that was true. And so then we have a tendency to have a bias towards believing almost everything that we see on those platforms. And so even if something is untrue, or even if it might be even marked as there is misinformation here or there is something wrong here, we still might have a tendency to believe it. Something I learned the other day on TikTok was, I, 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 I'm an introvert. I don't really like like having to do a lot of social interaction. I do, you know, because I'm a pastor here. Not that I don't love you guys. I just like my alone time. I like to, re that's how I recharge, being on my own, taking time to read, play video games, on my own, do stuff with me, my, my, my me time. And so I don't really like always interacting with people in certain situations. And some situations are, I don't like interacting with cashiers at stores. I always use self-checkout. I don't like interacting with people at gas stations. I really, really am annoyed when I put the card in the, in the slot and it says, please see the cashier. No, I'm finding a different gas station is what I'm doing. I'm going to find somewhere else that I won't have to interact with the person. But something I learned on TikTok is if you press the enter button, on the keypad, it will let you prepay at the pump without having to go inside. And I was like, this can't be true. And I did it the other day at the gas station at the corner here, and it worked. And I was like, oh, my God. See, we learn things sometimes, and then so we gain trust of platforms or people or certain things, and so we have given our trust to them. And so that's why we have a truth bias to that person. The other thing is we might have a truth bias towards someone because they're in a position of authority. 
they're in a position of respect. Uh, they, they should be trusted. They're someone that we believe should be trusted. For instance, oftentimes people trust pastors. I'm a pastor here. Um, let me tell you, I don't always get it right. <laughs> I get it wrong. Way back in the day, some people are here when they were when I was, when I was like first a youth pastor, and uh, way way back in the day, I remember I, I did a preaching and I preached specifically on MySpace. Some of you may not even know what that is anymore. MySpace didn't it doesn't like well it, it exists, but it is not what it was before. And I remember preaching a sermon. I was like, "This is of the devil." Like I literally said that. I literally condemned it and said, "This is of the devil." I was wrong. <laughs> It's a tool. Social media, if anything, is a tool, and it can be used for good and for evil regardless. So I, I was not right. So, But we have that respect for people in authority, pastors. Uh, we have respect sometimes. But some of us might have respect for police officers, for judges, for, for government officials. So we have respect for certain people or even experts in their field. If a weatherman tells us something, that's why we are inclined to believe that they are right, and we get frustrated when they're, they're wrong about the prediction. Because we have a truth bias towards that. We want to believe it. We want to believe it. The second reason why we believe these things is because we have another kind of bias. It's called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. Which basically means we want it to be true so bad that we just believe it. And that, that's it. That's the, that's the end of it. We want it or need it to be true so we will just stop there. Full stop. No more looking into it. No more reading into it. No more looking any information about it. Because we need it to be true or we want it to be true because it's what we believe. So we have a confirmation bias. If someone tells us something, they confirm something, that we believe, I knew it. I knew I was right. I knew I was right. I was, oh, you know, you were wrong. There's someone in this crowd that tells me that a lot. <laughs> you were wrong, Gabriel. You were wrong. But we believe it because we want it to be true. And this is dangerous. This, this can be very, very dangerous because we stop trying to learn. We stop trying to learn and we stop trying to grow and we just stop. Full stop about it. There's a YouTube series by College Humor on, uh, on YouTube. I'm not saying go look it up. Not everything that they have is very wholesome or anything. But they have a video series called If, if Google Was a Guy. And the series is a series of skits that there's a guy at a desk and he's Google. And you come to the desk and you sit and ask him questions. And I'm not, I definitely don't go look that up. But there is one particular scene in one of the videos where someone is asking and they make a joke about this idea of confirmation bias. And this lady asks Google, she says, Google, show me results for does, does do vaccines cause autism? And he responds, I have one million results that say no, and I have one result that says, yeah, she takes the one result and walks away. In case you are interested, vaccines do not cause autism. There are plenty of scientific studies that say otherwise. They don't do that. Vaccines are good for us. They help us stay healthy. They stopped a lot of different diseases. But that's what we do. We take the one thing that will confirm what we believe and ignore everything else, even if there is much more that says opposite to it. We will choose to believe what is wrong because it confirms what we want. 
And we do this for, diff- for different reasons. Maybe because we're afraid. We're afraid of being wrong. We're afraid of admitting that we're wrong. We're afraid of what it could mean if we are wrong about what we believe. When it comes to God and our faith in God or Christianity or the church, we're, we don't want to ask questions because what if we do and we find out something different is different than what we believe or we find something new? And that's why it's dangerous because it keeps us trapped in this small circle of belief. And these biases keep us trapped there. See, but Jesus, Jesus wants to change that in our lives. He wants to flip the script. He wants to break through the truths and the lies, the half-truths, the, the lies that we believe, and get us to a place where we can know what is real in the world. What is real? Jesus used that phrase right there, you have heard it said. And this is why it's important. There's an article that says, it was talking about what it means, and it's a, it's a rabbinic idiom. An idiom. It's something that he would say um, as a rabbi. People believe that he, people called Jesus rabbi, and so as a rabbi, that's what he did. And so the phrases that he was using, you have heard it said, but I say, is a rabbinic teaching style that says, this is how you have interpreted the scripture before. But I am here to tell you that there is something more to it than that, or you are missing something in the origin. And so he goes through that list of passages, oftentimes quoting scripture from the old testament saying you've heard this said but i say this but the last one the last one show the last one there is important because you have heard it said love your neighbor and hate your enemy that one is not even in the scripture but it was taught to people by religious leaders by people in those days it said love your neighbor but hate your enemy And so Jesus was taking all of that, and he says, you've heard all of this stuff. You've heard it said. So I'm going to flip it around. I want you to know that there is something more to what you are not seeing. I say to you, I want you to know that there is a different way. And that's what that phrase, that second phrase means. But I say to you, there is a different way. You can turn this on its head. You can turn it around. You don't have to stop at what you've heard before. You don't have to stop at the things in your life that are keeping you down, the false beliefs, the false truths, the lies that you have made into reality in your life. There is more. There is a better way to live life. And it starts with who are we listening to? Who are we listening to? That's what Jesus is asking. But I say to you, who are you listening to? Are you listening to me? Are you listening to someone else? Are you listening to something else? Are you listening to one of the countless voices? Because we got a lot of voices in our lives. We, we, are, we are told things by companies all of the time. You know, watching a YouTube video. Sign up for Squarespace. Sign up for, what is the, HelloFresh food. Everything. They want to sell us everything. To the point where you can Google something, and, and if you don't like it, if you don't like them doing this, you can. There is a way to go into your settings and tell them not to track where you visit on Google. But sometimes you will Google something because you're looking for something, and then you see it on Facebook, and it's like they're listening to me. No, it's because Facebook is listening to Google. It can be convenient sometimes. It's like that's exactly what I was looking for. I couldn't find it on Google, but it showed me right here. It can be convenient. It can be weird sometimes and annoying. But 
That's what happens. Companies are, are talking to us. There's billboards, there's social media, there's flyers. We have fan, family and friends in our lives that are talking to us, telling us things. So, so much information. It's what we read. It's what we listen to, what we see on social media, uh, the podcasts we listen to, the TV shows we listen to. There's so many voices competing for our attention that sometimes it can be difficult to sort out the information. We have to ask ourselves, who are we listening to? Who are we listening to? So there's a few questions we can ask to kind of help us sort through the noise. First of all, does the source have character or integrity? Is it trustworthy? Is it trustworthy? Simple tip of life in, in, uh, in Facebook. Sometimes you will click on a link in an article, and it sounds like a confirmation bias. It's, it's oh, you know, see, I, I knew that. That's what I believe. And you click on it. And the article confirms everything that you But one, one trick you can look at is you look at the website. If it looks like it's a normal news website, but then has like a bunch of dots and other slashes in the first part of the website, like it says CNN dot something, something, something. That's not even like legitimate. Like it's a sketchy website that they bought like a dot thing, but they wanted you to believe it's CNN. So they see, or they wanted you to believe it was Fox. or They wanted you to believe it was this. So there's websites that, that are that. Is it trustworthy? I, I like to keep this resources, a uh, resource on hand. There is a, uh, like a news site resource that tells you uh, whether a news source is right-leaning, like way extreme right or extreme left, or is it trustworthy and is it actually journalism? And the ones that are like in the center are like these news sources that are trustworthy to listen to. So we have to ask ourselves, is it trustworthy? Is it something that I can trust? Do, do I trust this person? Do I trust this thing? Does this look legitimate in our life? Is this voice legitimate? Is it really saying something to me? Am I trying to get my health advice, in other words, from a doctor or from someone I graduated from high school with that's in a multi-level marketing scheme? Like, where am I getting my advice from? What is legitimate? What is trustworthy? Second, does the voice demonstrate wisdom and understanding? Sometimes information will come at us and all it's trying to do is sell us something all it's trying to do is hurt some other kind of people group and it doesn't really understand it shows no compassion in other words it shows no compassion no empathy for people it simply chooses a side and chooses to attack the other side it doesn't try to look at anything is it trust is it compassionate is it empathetic another question third question we can ask ourselves does the voice have intellect and knowledge is this an expert saying this? Or is it my grandma's next door neighbor telling me? I don't know more than scientists. I, I don't. I, I don't know more than doctors. Right now, I'm about to uh, start this fall my, my journey to my master's degree and my master's of divinity. And I've been a pastor for a long time, but I know that there is a lot I don't know still. I know that there are people who are experts in ways that I am not. Is there something we can trust in it? Do they have the expertise? See, Jesus, though, coming back to Jesus, Jesus fits all those questions. He is trustworthy. He is understanding. He is compassionate. He is intellect. He is knowledge. He doesn't just listen to the voices that are around him. He listens to the one that is most important, which is the source. See, Jesus is the word of God, which doesn't mean the Bible. When Jesus, when the authors of the New Testament called Jesus the word, they weren't calling him the scripture. They said he was the word. 
the final say, the final authority on all things. Through him, creation was created. Through him, the universe was created. We are here because of who Jesus is. And so in him, we find that. So ultimately, Jesus, everything is subject to Jesus. It's subject to Jesus. He has the ultimate authority on what, how we are, how we should be, how we should live our lives. There's a a TikToker that said this, and it sounds kind of funny. He's like, you know, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. I'm not a Biblian. I don't just follow the Bible. I follow Jesus. I'm not subject to just a book. I'm subject to the one who is the author and the source of that book, Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus because he is the one that we should challenge everything to, the standard that we should challenge our faith to especially when it comes to all the noise in the world right now and so many people that are misrepresenting who Jesus is. We got to look back at it. We got to we got to understand that there's more. We have to challenge the teaching. We have to do our due diligence. That means we have to study. It's not just articles we look on Facebook, but look, see what people say. See what experts say. See what knowledge is out there that we can get. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, the Apostle Paul commended a group of people called the Berean Jews. He says, they were more noble of character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness. They listened to the gospel. They were happy about receiving the gospel of Jesus. But they didn't stop there. It says, with great eagerness, they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. They went back and they said, we just can't hear what this man is saying. We've got to see if it's true. We've got to put it out. We've got to put it to the test. Does it match? challenge you, if you ever hear something and you say, hear me say something, or you hear any preacher say something, look, study, understand, try to see what others are saying on this subject. They could be wrong. I could be wrong. Like I said, I've done it before. We have to do our due diligence. This also means listening to the voice, the most important voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. John chapter 14, verse 26 says, but the advocate The Holy Spirit, I know I'm running out of time. Whom the Father sent in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit is there to advocate for us, to teach us, to remind us of what God wants to say to us. So we got to listen. That means we got to see who are we listening to? Who are we listening to? And, and the word of advice, that does not mean you cut out voices that don't that, that disagree with you. That's a trap. That's a trap. You don't you don't just cut out all the voices that disagree with you. Unless they're hurting you in some way, you don't cut those voices out. Because there might be some merit of truth to what they are saying. Something that was so beautiful me, to me about the book I mentioned earlier, The Three Mile an Hour God by Kosuke Koyama, he was a Christian, a Japanese Christian, but he grew up in a world where Buddhism was the main faith, where he was surrounded by that. And something he demonstrated throughout the book, his, his book was that the teaching that he gained from Buddhism, there was truth, there was worthiness in it that led him to apply those same things through Jesus and learn even more. 
We can't just cut out the voices we disagree with because then we are stuck in a box, small little box, and we won't know more. We want to make sure we're not falling for the truth bias, the confirmation bias. That's for sure. We got to be careful of that, but that doesn't mean to be suspicious of everything and everyone. That's just going to make you paranoid. That's not a good idea. Turning, turning around your shoulder every second. Who's going to get me in? That's not what my aim is here. We just have to be careful. By these standards, we have to judge ourselves. You know, we have to understand. So what do we need to do? Last thing. What do we need to do? Stand up with me this afternoon so you can help me finish. What do we need to do? We need to turn some things over to Jesus. We got to ask ourselves that question today. What are some beliefs that we need to challenge in our lives? Maybe they're hurting us. Maybe they're hurting us, but maybe also they're hurting other people. Something that we believe so staunchly that is actually creating a place and a space of hate for other people in your lives. What do we need to challenge? Is there something that I believe that is leading me away from the life of Jesus? That's the question we have to ask. Does it match up with Jesus' life? Or is it hurtful and hateful to myself and everyone else? Is there something we need to admit that we're, we're wrong in in our lives? Pride is a powerful enemy that can stand in our way that says, I know better. I have the best taste in music. I have the best knowledge. I know more than anyone else that I've ever encountered. I am so much better. That's what pride does. But pride gets in the way of learning. It gets in the way of growth. And it doesn't allow the Holy Spirit to step into our lives and start flipping things around. The things that are hurting us. The things that are stopping us. That are keeping us stuck. The most important thing we need to remember, why it's so important that we allow Jesus to do this work in our lives. It's going to be messy. It's going to be difficult because there are lives that we, lies that we have believed in our lives that we have stuck with for so long that we do not know how else to live. There are things that we believe and have believed and believed and believed, but they are hurting us and they are hurting other people. There are things in our lives that are keeping us stuck and trapped. And more than anything, it's going to be messy. It's going to hurt. It might not be your favorite thing. But we need to go through with it. About a month ago now, I started going to therapy. I talk about it all the time. I, I said, you should go to therapy. You need Jesus and a therapist too. And it can be difficult to afford it. But I started going to therapy and I started exploring things in my life that I had, I didn't want to work on. I didn't want to deal with. They were hard. They were difficult to acknowledge and to pull out things I've hidden from myself. Things that I didn't want to be true. And it's a difficult process. But I know as I have been praying and seeing my therapist and, and seeking God out through this time, he is working in me for healing, for growth, for transformation. Because if we do not allow God to do that in our lives, we will become stuck in a place where we 
miss out on our potential. We miss out on being able to love others well. And most importantly, we miss out on knowing God. Because when we put God in a box, we will never truly understand how big, how powerful, how great, how good, how much love he has for us and for this world that we live in. So as we start going through this series, let's start with that first question. Where in my life do I need to flip the script? What do I need to hand over to Jesus today so that I can start to grow, to know him, to be the best version of me, and to be who God wants me to be so that I can know him like he really, really wants me to. So let's pray this morning. Let's pray that God will step into our lives and begin this process. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, for what you're doing for in all of us. I ask, Holy Spirit, that your presence, that your power, that your life-giving ability be in this place with us and be wherever we go so that as we begin this process, we are reminded that even if it's messy, even if it hurts, even if it's difficult, that you are holding our hand through it all. You are there for our benefit. You are there to heal us, to grow us, to draw us closer to you, God, so that we can know you and we might be able to walk this life out like Jesus did. So help us. Help us start to challenge things in our life. Help us start to challenge our faith, challenge our belief, challenge what we hold on to that is hurting us and help us to flip things around towards healing God. So we trust in you in this moment, Jesus. We trust in you to walk with us down this path. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As the worship team leads us in one last song this morning, if you need prayer, you can simply let us know and we will try to pray for you today. If you're watching online and you need us to pray for you, let us know so we can be praying with you through this journey. hope you've enjoyed this message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at myemmanuelchurch.com. And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.